Welcome to Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas. This is the Share Our Strength podcast about people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Billy Shore. It's amazing when you realize how central food is to so many things that we care about. It affects our health. When I got here, we realized that the majority of hunger in the District of Columbia was not on the streets, it was in homes. Food security affects our strength as a nation. Is really appreciating food. I think that what motivated me when I came to this country. We're here in Washington, D.C. with Nora Puyon, chef, restaurateur, uh, organic pioneer, who's known Share Our Strength for a long, long time. Nora, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Patty Stonecipher, um, you are the CEO and president of Martha's Table after a long career in tech, doing amazing work here in this community, and we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. I'm glad Thanks. to be here. And my sister, Debbie Shore, co-founder of Share Our Strength, with me also, three amazing women. And as, we're, as we've started talking, we're ta- we all kind of think of ourselves as social activists, probably in one way or another, um, yet we're right down the street from where Greenpeace has uh, scaffolded, climbed a crane where the Washington Post used to be, and unfurled an enormous banner that says, resist. So we've got, um, we've got a new standard. The standard's been set high in terms of our social activism, but we'll, we'll talk about that as we, as we get into this. Let me begin, Nora, as okay. I say, since you have known us for so long, um, talking about uh, a little bit of your history in this town. You came here from Austria. You not only opened up a restaurant that everybody loves, and I think maybe, did you say, Patty, that you were engaged at? I got engaged at Asia Nora. At Asia Nora. How about that? And I think there's probably a lot of stories like I know, that. I know. I have like uh, three generations now they come the children with their babies. I mean, it's, it's uh, 38 <laughs> years is a long time. And the first, uh, and Restaurant Nora, the first certified, certified organic yes. restaurant uh, in this country. Yes, in which, 1999. Which takes some doing. Uh, talk about just what motivated you to do that, because it sounds like from everything I've heard you talk about, uh, getting and maintaining the organic certification, which I know has to do with your passion for healthy environment, sustainability, that's an enormous amount of work to succeed at. Well, if you want me to talk why I do it, well, I'm, I'm not a trained chef, but I always did it out of one reason, it's health reason. And uh, when I realized how bad the food was in this country, I started to look around in the countryside to find farmers. And then when I, while I did that, I uh, thought, okay, I have to feed my family that because I realized all the pesticides and hormones and everything that goes into food, the conventional food. And when uh, when somebody asked me if I would open a restaurant in Washington at the Tavern Inn, I said, okay, I do that. And at the beginning it was very difficult because I'm talking 1976 to find organic ingredients, but as the years go went on, more and more people and more and more farmers became organic. <coughs> And then it came to the point where my customers said, oh, I know another restaurant, oh, they're organic. And when I asked them what was organic, they said, well, the, the lettuce, you know, the baby lettuce. And okay. so I realized, okay, I do everything organic nearly. And so I wanted to prove to my customers that when they come here, it's really wholesome, pure food. And the way to achieve that is to become certified organic. And you've written a great book about this, My Organic Life, How a Pioneering Chef Changed the Way We Eat Today. And mm-hmm. I want to come back and talk to you about that. 
Um, but I also want to get Patty Stonecipher in this conversation because, Patty, your work is really focused on how people eat and whether they can eat at all, uh, probably a different population than uh, is able to enjoy restaurant Nora and Nora's uh, incredible skills. But you spent 20 years um, at Microsoft, 20 years in the tech industry, uh, probably always interested in these issues, but then made the leap first with the Bill Gates Foundation and now Martha's Table to be full-time at this. Right. I spent 20 years in, in the tech world, and there we were all about equal access to computing. It was the early stages of personal computing, and we were going from mainframes to desktop and thought we were liberating people with these big chunks of iron that sat on the desk. We had no idea we'd be carrying those little chunks of iron in our purse or be able to do so many things with digital technology. But we still thought we were liberating people from the tyranny of big centralized information. So I always believed that equal access to information and knowledge was fundamental, and I came from a family deeply steeped in social justice. So when I retired at the ripe old age of 40 from Microsoft, Bill and Melinda asked me to help them start up their philanthropy. Their dad was doing it out of his basement, and I could do something more. And so we began the Gates Library Foundation and eventually the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And I did that for 13 years. And then as Bill left Microsoft and Melinda, uh, the kids were getting bigger and she was ready to step forward even further, I got to figure out what was my next chapter. And for me, it was coming back to Martha's Table, a place I'd first come to in 1994 to deliver computers when I was a Microsoft executive. And it was this wonderful organization here in the heart of Washington, D.C. that is now 37 years old. And when they opened the doors, called themselves, recognized the children in the neighborhood needed a safe place and folks needed a warm meal and built out a wonderful education and food organization over the 37 years that I now have a chance to help lead. What kind of services does Martha's Table provide to citizens? I consider it, and I've known of it for a long time, of course, working in the kind of the, the same space, but it's really considered one of the jewels of the Washington, D.C. area and community in terms of the services it provides to people in need. Tell us a little bit about what those services actually are. We say that we stand for stronger children, stronger families, and stronger community. Babies as young as 12 weeks old come to Martha's Table in the arms of their parents, parents that want to work, parents that want to be in school. And we have all-day early childhood programming, after-school programming, high school programming for young families trying to increase opportunity for every child, something that we all believe in. At the same time, from the very beginning, in fact, in 1982, one of my predecessors started McKenna's Wagon, based on the sure. example of uh, Father McKenna, a Jesuit priest here in town that had a strong sense of, uh, of, of the morality of, of food for all. And 18,000 volunteers across the region helped prepare meals, drive meals, deliver meals out to the streets in D.C. And we've been doing that every single night of the year since 1982. So food was always at the heart of it. But when I got here, we realized that the majority of hunger in the District of Columbia was not on the streets. It was in homes. And many of those homes, in fact, most of those homes had young children. So we began to really look at how could we take our commitment to young people and our commitment to food. And out of that came the joyful 
food markets program that now is in 29 elementary schools east of the Anacostia River and growing to be twice that size by the time we're done. Nora, Jose Andreas, who was one of our first guests on this show, said, I believe that Nora forever will be a heroine of the food scene of D.C. To me, she deserves everything she's shown us the way. Now, I'm curious, just as Patty was talking about some of the formative influences on her family, you mentioned your parents being kind of being raised in a social justice uh, household. Uh, what were some of the influences on you? Because you've fought this fight for uh, 37 uh, years now. 38. Uh, 38 years. <laughs> and Martha's Table is actually about that, has about yeah. the same longevity. But uh, what has kept you going? What's been the motivation? What were some of the formative influences that made your commitment to these issues so strong? On your website, you list, I don't know, maybe more than a dozen organizations, Chefs Collaborative, Chefs Move, um, that you're involved in. And I know you were one of our earliest supporters at Share Our Strength. Where, where did this impulse come from? Well, I think uh, probably from my youth, you know, I came from Austria where I think people are pretty healthy, outdoor exercise and fresh food. I mean, when I grew up, I mean, I was born in the war with one sense is sad because now I'm so old. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's wonderful because I saw, I mean, it's wonderful. It's great because I saw... Um, how important food was, because there was not much food. And I think this knowledge of uh, really appreciating food and uh, how important it is to keep you healthy, I think that what motivated me when I came to this country. And so what motivated me is that first I thought, I want to keep my family healthy. And then it came, okay, I do the restaurant, but you know, I cannot kill my customers. I have to keep them healthy, too. So uh, the more I got involved in it and the more I learned, because, you know, I, I never studied food. Um, I never went to a cooking class or, you know, cooking school. And uh, so the more I learned from uh, actually my farmers and by reading and by going to different shows and conferences about organic food, I realized that uh, I have really to promote that uh, motion and how how it's not only the food, it involves so much the environment too. It involves the air and it involves the water. And that's how I got more and more in other organizations. I just came from a board meeting from the Environmental Film Fest because I feel that films are a very good medium to to tell people and to show people how important it is uh, to take care of our environment and to take care of our body environment. And I'm on the board, I'm on the board of so many things, of Earth Day Network, of I initiated the farmer's market at DuPont Circle. Uh, I, uh, you know, now there are 13. I, you know, I did all these different things. I'm on the Amazon conservation team because I really feel Amazon and the indigenous people have the answer to many things, many of our diseases and illnesses. So uh, I think that uh, I think the need to spread the word that more and more people understand that it's not only the food, it's the whole holistic package that you have to look at. And uh, outdoor activities, you know, you have to be outdoors, you have in a little gym, you know, where you run. I mean, you have to breathe the air, you have to have the sun c 
come into your eyes. You have, you know, everything is just so involved. And I think that's what I wanted people to understand. And that's why I did this restaurant is uh, to show people healthy food is good. You know, every people think healthy food doesn't taste good, looks awful. And, uh, and the environment often is not very nice. And I wanted to show them that I, uh, you can have your, you can have your steak and you can have your glass of wine and you can have a nice time. But the difference is only that everything is certified organic and is prepared in a very healthful way. What I remember about you, Nora, was you connecting us to some other chefs mm. in the city, which has kind of always been our you know, MO, is to find somebody who is known and a leader and uh, well-liked in the community mm. and help you know, get their colleagues and, and friends involved. And one of the things you said that is starting to become a theme uh, in some of these podcasts that we're doing and some of the chefs we're talking to is this uh, you know, realization that you needed to get healthy that your family needed to get healthy, and then what is the next circle? Your customer. <laughs> and we've heard this from, you know, Seamus Mullen in New York, who has, you know, healed himself through food and then turned that into uh, something that he wanted to provide mm. to his customers. So, uh, and, and the healthy piece as well. And it all is, is connected. And we're seeing that, I think, as a, as a theme uh, with a lot of the chefs yeah. that we talked well, to. Bill, Bill Telepan also had a child Telepan. who was ill and started to completely, he's a great chef in New York, uh, he started to cook differently for his child because he knew it was important. And then you, you just said a moment ago, Nora, you know, I can't be killing my customer. Uh, and Bill Telepan realized, you know, he said, I'm, I was cooking a completely different way for our restaurant patients, uh, patrons than I was for <laughs> my own family. Mm -hmm. And so he changed completely to, you know, make sure that that food was healthy. So, you know, it's a... And then started the, teaching in schools. Right, and started teaching in yeah. schools. So there's a leadership element to this that becomes... Very powerful. One of the things I'm, I, I want to know, and I was going to ask you about your customers, and but you're a good one, Patty, because you were a customer at least when you got engaged at Asian Nora. Uh, do people come because they want healthy organic food, or do they come because they've heard the food is great and it's nice to find out that it's also healthy and organic? How do you think about that, and what are you looking for? Well, I think at the beginning, you know, people didn't even understand what I did. I mean, they all thought I'm completely nuts, you know, because I told them this is organic, additive-free, chemically additive-free food. And they thought, oh, you mean you don't use MSG? Or people were telling me, oh, you're a vegetarian? I mean, people just didn't understand what I wanted to do, but... Uh, I have in the back of my menu, I have exactly listed all the, the farms and all my philosophy. And then slowly, you know, I'm 38 years is a long time. I think in the last, I would say in the last 20, 15 years, more uh, organic has become more mainstream. And I think people more and more understand what it means. And my customers get older and they have health problems. And so they, they they come to me and they, they you know, I, I became suddenly the place where they actually could eat out. And uh, and I think, I think they, they now, I would say, at least 70% uh, of the people that come, come because it is healthy. Uh, Patty, for low-income families struggling just to get by, um, has there also been a change in consciousness about health, about the relationship between food and nutrition and health, 
Um, we've seen some of that at Share Our Strength, but you're even closer to it. And I'm wondering how families that are in those circumstances are thinking about what they want and, and need for their kids to be healthy. Yes. Well, we do have about 10,000 families that go to schools where we have these pop-up joyful markets. And we do baseline survey before we start the markets last year. And 95% of the families knew and identified that they should be eating more fruits and vegetables, but less than a third of them were eating vegetables five nights a week. With one year of having access to these markets, that number's up over 60% of families eating vegetables five nights a week. It is about access and about skills. This month, for instance, we have Brussels sprouts in every market. So there's 10,000 families learning about roasting Brussels sprouts, and more importantly, 10,000 11-year-olds learning about roasting Brussels sprouts and how with a little oil and salt and pepper, these things don't taste like the Brussels sprouts of old. They taste different. And the uptake and the uptick in interest and excitement and joy around these beautiful foods is something you can feel in these markets. The parents may be walking down the aisle and saying, my kids won't eat that. And you say, look over there, they're making kale chips or they're massaging kale in Ziploc bags or brining pickles or doing whatever. That kids, once they can touch the food and parents, once they see there are fast, easy, new ways of preparation. But what is we're still left with is 160,000 people live in the neighborhood east of the river, three full-service grocery stores. The quality, the price, and the two or three bus rides it takes to get those fruits and vegetables home uh, on a regular basis is still a real hurdle. So we have to do a lot to improve the food system in every neighborhood that Nora was motivated to improve in the restaurant world. You know, uh, uh, Debbie and Billy have worked forever to ensure that mm. healthy breakfast and healthy lunch is available in the schools. But even if you get those 200 days a year, 60% of your meals are happening outside that school That's environment. Right. And the um, Department of Health uh, b bought into our belief that this kind of healthy eating would have long-term payback for the families, in short-term payback for the schools and the school environment and the learning. And so they were very progressive. DC's good on many of these issues and um, came forward with support of the funding and then private donors covered the rest. So if you have a child at Moton Elementary on Thursday, you'll be able to shop in our pop-up market that's open at three o'clock, 20 volunteers and two staff members with uh, lots of wonderful recipes. And you'll be able to take home 23 pounds of food. Over half of that is fresh food. Um, free of charge per oh, child. So if you have three children, hard. 70 pounds of food. If you've got one child, 23 pounds of food. It's about 18 meals. So it's not enough to cover the month, but it's enough to make it a wonderful and worthwhile experience and to increase the exposure to and access to these fresh, beautiful foods. Um, let me ask you both what you're thinking about next. You're going to be selling Restaurant Nora. Mm -hmm. um, so Debbie, we have to get back with our families um, before you do that for yes. at least one last meal. Well, and it's, is and that it, next year? Yeah, probably by the summer. I hope, I hope, I don't know. And it sounds like it's BYOB in terms of bring your own butter. 
which Debbie and I can't go without. <laughs> so if you're not cooking with it, we're bringing ours. Um, you're also getting a Lifetime Achievement Award from the James Beard Foundation mm -hmm. in May. Congratulations. That's an Thank incredible you. That's honor. That's it, It's got to feel like an amazing capstone for your career. Uh, yeah, and I thought it's in the nick of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what will, you, what will you be doing? What well, after you sell Restaurant Nora, what will you be doing? Well, because you just said it's going to take somebody to convene all of these people around food policy. Aren't, aren't, aren't you the logical one? No, I'm not very good in, in policy things. I, I think I'm, well, I was, I'm, of course, I'm hoping that people will ask me to consult with restaurants that say, okay, let's get more organic, and yep. I perhaps could help them. Also, I'm part of a sustainable fish business that we have. Hmm. I'm a partner in there, and I think there's a lot to be done hmm. with uh, fish because... You know, fish is the same as beef. It's completely exploited in the ocean. We hardly have any left. And the fish farms that are out there are the same as our beef farms. Mm. They're terribly run and bad for the environment. And then, uh, you know, I think uh, I was asked if I would write another book, this time with recipes, and perhaps <laughs> have in there all the juicy part that my e editor cut out. <laughs> And then uh, I have four children and five grandchildren, so maybe oh, I can spend no, more time. And go. I'm on five boards, so I think somebody said, well, I hope you have enough time to do it all once you retire. <laughs> <laughs> I've been failed at retirement multiple times, so don't look to me for advice on yeah, that. <laughs> now, you often refer to this as your, the, your third act uh, yeah. of your career, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, what... What do you hope to accomplish at Martha's Table? It gets a little bit to what Debbie was talking about later. And where do you take it? What do you see yourself, uh, you know, being focused on well, three, I, five I years came, from now? I came to Martha's Table because I thought this issue of American children and poverty and mobility is such a challenging and important one. But I also came because I was ready to use not only my head but my heart. And I'm getting to do that. I really am. So that if I can share more messages like you're letting me share today about things we could do to improve uh, opportunity for children um, and at the same time get to stand with the families and my colleagues at Martha's Table using head and heart, I'm, I'm a happy woman. I would always love more time for the grandkids. I've got, <laughs> I've got two now, and, and maybe we'll yes. see more in the future. Um. Thank you both for being with us. Nora Puyon, so grateful for your longtime support of Share Our Strength and so many other important causes having to do with the thank environment so and sustainability and organic. Uh, thank you. And Patty Stonecipher, uh, what a what a terrific blessing that you've come to Washington, D.C. to take bring your skills and to share your strength and to make a difference and, as you say, use both your, your head and your heart in the lives of these families. So thank you for being here. Thank you both for what you do every day on these on these important issues. Nora Pion and Patty Stonecipher have given us a great conversation about what you might call being the change that you want to see in the world, um, a phrase that many of us associate with uh, Gandhi. Nora couldn't find the organic food options she wanted, so she helped create a market for it by converting her own restaurant to organic. Patty Stonecipher saw a problem and an opportunity in terms of the people in the community around Martha's table. And instead of simply writing a check, she decided to offer her personal leadership and the experience that came with being at the Gates Foundation and Microsoft before that. As Gandhi famously said, we often have to personally be the change that we want to see in the world. So if you're ready to use not only your head, but your heart, as Patty Stonecipher said, get closer to the problems that you care about. There's a famous photographer named Robert Kappa 
who once said, if your pictures are not good enough, you're not close enough. Well, in the social change space, getting close, bearing witness, going into the community, working with people directly, getting an understanding of what they need, that's often the precursor to really powerful transformational change. Don't just post, don't just preach, get your hands dirty and get involved. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Carrie Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.